0: Welcome to Live at the Nut Bar. You're here with David Cunningham. No JB this week. He's shredding it up on the slopes in the South Island. But I have two very special guests uh, who are from our front line team of mortgage advisors. So here in Wellington we've got Nick Virtue, and up in Auckland
1: Emma Wallace.
0: Emma Wallace. So um, both very experienced bankers. So Nick, you've been in financial services for how long?
2: Uh, financial services, 18 or so years, um, just out with Home Loan Shop for three years now. So, a bit of a, an extensive background in that commercial corporate space, um, health franchise. Um, so, a bit of an all rounder.
0: Yeah. And Emma, how about you? What's your banking sort of financial services background?
1: Yeah, so probably all up about 12 years seven years with Squirrel, and four years in the credit background.
0: Okay, so hey, some very experienced people um, working day in, day out with customers, with New Zealanders to help them with their home loan needs. So we'll get to their perspectives from the front line in Wellington with Nick and in Auckland with Emma. Third, I'd just start today with what's new on the economic front, and probably the big thing happening in the last week has been uh, the big wigs of finance meeting at a place called Jackson Hole in the U.S. So you've had, you know, all the Fed governors and the ECB um, chair of the European Central Bank and UK and, and, and so on. And so they've been talking about one thing pretty much, which is inflation. No surprise there. Um, you know, the world went from almost no inflation for a decade or more to, you know, six, seven, eight, nine, ten 10 percent inflation. And New Zealand obviously was part of that, which is why interest rates are so high. I think the key message out of Jackson Hole was just this absolute commitment to fighting inflation. So you had the Federal Reserve Chairman Jerome Powell, the exact words where he refuses to concede the central bank's fight with high inflation is over. So he's refusing to concede that the inflation fight's over. He stands ready to raise interest rates further, to keep borrowing costs restrictive until inflation is under control. And he also commented, although inflation has moved down from its peak, which is welcome, it's still too high. So, hey, clear message that although inflation's coming down, if that stops happening, then interest rates in the US could go up further. Same message, I think, really, and from central bankers all around the world, um, in New Zealand, you know, obviously Adrian or the, the Reserve Bank, the Monetary Policy Committee have, have said as much. And I think the key thing to remember is it's not necessarily headline inflation. It's the underlying inflation because headline inflation's fallen quite a bit. So yesterday in Australia, we had headline inflation down quite considerably for the month uh, of July, so down to about 4.4%. But um, the underlying inflation is higher. The same is true in every market, pretty much. So underlying inflation is when you take out things like petrol price movements and the like. In New Zealand, it's that core inflation, which is the non-tradables inflation. So tradable inflation, you know, world commodity prices, shipping costs have come down. So that's helping headline inflation. But if you just look at New Zealand inflation, it's running higher. So I guess the key message is that the battle ain't over. Interest rates aren't going down tomorrow. But when we do see that core inflation, the world over, coming back very close to those target levels or within those target levels, then interest rates will definitely come off the ball then. So maybe starting with you, Nick, we've seen this massive increase in interest rates, you know, two years ago still. Seems a long time ago, but it's only two years, you know, we had
2: interest rates below
0: 3%. What's the best rate out there today?
2: Um, I think we still have an interest rate of five point nine nine percent available really? with uh, at three years first home combo with SBS. Okay, it's still on offer. I okay. don't know how much longer that's going to be there. Um, co-operative's just changing their interest rates as well for their offering to first home buyers. That's going to change on Friday, I believe. So, but other, you know, amongst standard banks, we're still seeing you know around that seven percent for one yeah. year, and kind of coming down from there. That two year rate seems to be favoured by a lot of. Uh, but customers at the moment, and, and fair enough, this inflation does tend to be a bit stickier at the moment. I think I read something this morning, the US Fed, 55% chance they're going to increase again. Mm. So I think they're at 5375 um likely to go north. Yeah. Uh, whether or not we mirror that is to be seen, obviously.
0: Yeah, yeah. well, I mean, they're different sort of inflation scenarios. So the o- OCR is our sort of instrument. But, um, you know, the battle's the same. Emma, up your way in Auckland, what's the typical term customers are taking at the moment, although those longer-term rates are lower, like that one that mentioned from SBS. Are they taking those longer-term rates to get a lower interest rate, or are people going shorter?
1: No, they tend to be looking at two years and under. 18 months is quite a sweet spot at the moment, just to give you Uh a little bit more time. Um, But borrowers are conscious of not locking in too long, um and then you know we see rates go back to that normal four to five vicinity and they'll be hit with a hefty break fee so definitely um looking at sub two years and under really
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's a good point about break fees. If you take a longer term rate, interest rates fall and you want to break out of it, you know, your break fee could be in the tens of thousands of dollars. There's a good blog uh, on Squirrel's website if you want to find out more about how break fees work and why uh, sort of locking in long term rates at the top of what is almost certainly the top of the interest cycle doesn't make a lot of sense. So, yeah, so that sort of those one to two year rates are favoured by customers. And what's, Nick, um, like down here in Wellington, what's activity been like? Because Wellington has been probably the hardest hit part of the region in the country for property price falls from those peaks. So why has that happened and what's activity been like here? And how are your clients thinking about the market at the moment, just in general? We'll get down to sort of, and maybe into property investors later, but just generally the customers you're talking with, what's the mood and what's been happening?
2: Yeah, look, I think we like to lead the charge here in Wellington, and I'm hoping we're going to see the same happen. Uh, you know, we did rush down on property values for a little bit there. Hopefully we lead the charge back up. Um, mm-hmm. When the time comes, really challenging because we obviously have government based here. And generally in Warrington, in election year, you will see a bit of a collective breath in six weeks out from an election. Everyone kind of wants to pause and doesn't want to make any rash decisions. This year has been quite different, actually. And I, I hate using the word, uh, the term FOMO, but I it, we are tending to see a little bit of that at the moment. We are seeing first home buyers coming back in, and with National releasing their tax document last night or yesterday. Uh, The telling part in there and the mortgage industry is just around those property investors. Um, They have come out and stated they are going to reverse the interest deductibility. So, property investors will be watching that closely. I think that's going to prompt a few people to actually make some decisions earlier. Certainly seeing that in activity levels currently.
0: Yeah. Um, Hey, we'll come back to the property investor a bit later. So, during the run up in property prices, you know, Wellington sort of boomed, you know, prices up close to 50%. Was that? fear of missing out the driver of that like why did property prices in Wellington rise so much
2: it was fear of missing out very competitive at auction time or at tender time a lot of customers were driving up that price and that was just cheap money at the time is the reality so they didn't want to miss out they wanted to lock in a property now the banks were facilitating it based on the current data at the time so you know people were jumping in there and purchasing, yeah. purchasing what they could
0: We'll come back to how those customers that maybe brought at the sort of top of the cycle in a minute. But Emma, up Mm -hmm. in Auckland, what's the sort of mood on the ground, shall we say?
1: Yeah, probably a bit like NAC. Like FOMO is definitely coming back. People are no longer worried about overpaying. Clients are saying that there's way more shoes at the open door, like there's more momentum in the market. I think clients sort of felt like rates have peaked. And they don't want to miss the boat. Like, lots of clients have have got back in touch who had gone quiet for a while. Um, but, yeah, they're just conscious they don't want to miss the boat while the market is softer. So, yeah, we're definitely busy.
0: So, if you think back, Emma, to a couple of years ago, you know, that FOMO, fear of missing out. And actually, yeah. I imagine a lot of your customers, especially first-home buyers... Missed out a lot. Can you give us a sense of what it was like when the market was so hot? Did you have customers missing multiple times? What
1: was, uh, yeah, got for sure. It wasn't uncommon for clients to miss out on like five, six properties before they were successful. And, you know, with everything going to auction, doing your due diligence with lawyers' review registered valuation reports builders reports like these clients were spending 500 to a thousand dollars a property and missing out so it was pretty pretty tough so Um, when you've
0: done that sort of two three four five times you go bugger it we'll pay another fifty thousand dollars so as we just get our house yeah
1: Totally so that's just-
0: that fear of missing out, you know, was and low interest rates, which meant it didn't seem so painful to borrow a million dollars or whatever it is. And so when you say that FOMO is returning, is it more the I've got to buy because there'll be five people or is it more now's a great time to buy? So don't miss the opportunity while the market's quiet, the competition is less.
1: Yeah, I think, I mean, there's a lot more properties non-auction, which appeals to first home buyers. You know, with the beauty of placing a conditional offer and yeah. only spending money on due diligence if you've got the property under contract, like auctions are going to start to come back probably the last quarter of this year, whereas the price point is attractive. Um, and I just think there's just more momentum in the market that clients don't want to miss the boat.
0: Mm-hmm. And tell me about the amount of deposit first home buyers in particular need to have. So you know, go back. You know, average property price in Auckland probably even at that loan of the market was pushing up around that million dollar level. So
1: mm-hmm.
0: or even more. What like what's the typical deposit you're seeing from a first home buyer um, in your market?
1: You get a lot of twenty percent first home buyers, often with mum and dad coming in on board with some Kiwi Saver and savings. But then in yeah. saying that, we've still got a lot of first home buyers in the low deposit space, um, with ten to fifteen percent, and the banks are certainly still open for that that lending. It does cost more, but probably fifty fifty. Has still the reduction
0: in LVR restrictions brought more of those lower deposit people back into the market, or?
1: Yeah, a lot of um, first home buyers looking in the new build space. And that's where the banks are a little bit more relaxed, whereas if you've got a 10% deposit buying an established home pretty much across every bank, you need to have a property under contract for the bank to look at you. Whereas in the new build space, they're more open looking at pre-approval. So that's often a path clients are exploring and there's a lot of new build activity going on. Yeah. And if yeah. I need
0: it, if I want to have a 20% deposit to buy, what's the typical property value? Are we talking sort of a million or what's the first time yeah. buyer paying in Auckland?
1: Probably a million. A million so, so the mean,
0: deposits, 200. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I mean, quite a, it's not uncommon for first time buyers to be buying their first time 1.2, 1.3, which is crazy, yeah. but it's just the yeah. nature of the Auckland market. Yeah. Um, yeah. And yeah, well, while the market is softer, A lot of people are sort of using the opportunity to do the exercise, right, if you know what I mean, instead of outgrowing the home, if there's scope for mum and dad to give some funds and get a property that they're not going to outgrow in a few years yeah. while the market's softer it is a good time to sort of do it well if you know what i mean
0: yeah hey so net one point one, one point one, one point two million for a first home buyer in auckland's not uncommon what's the norm in wellington for a first home buyer would you say
1: look the
2: norm down here a bit muted in comparison to auckland but so you're looking really around the 800 850k mark yeah um here and 100 percent correct it's you know traditionally as new zealanders we like to you know purchase that first home bit of do a doer upper and all that kind of care and then the next times you're growing out your family and then that third home is you know the final home that you want to be in customers are now looking at that kind of traditional model and going look if we've got the means to buy that second home up front, that they are taking advantage of that. Mm. Location is coming into it. You know, land is obviously the, the challenging part. We can't create more of it. And Wellington Geography works against that as well. So, you know, looking at the, at the outer areas is becoming more common. Kapiti and Otaki and those areas, or those first home purchases, mm. uh, which is good to see. In Auckland, Emma, where are first
0: home buyers buying?
2: Are there particular catchments
1: mm. that
0: first home buyers are into?
1: I guess the North Shore, West Auckland, it's really all over to be honest. Um, mm. I mean there's a lot there of building
0: t- going on right in Auckland still, all over.
1: Yeah it really is all over.
0: I think uh, Auckland adds another Dunedin every year or two, something ridiculous like that.
1: <laughs>
0: yeah. yeah yeah and and what's Interest rates, Emma. You know, seven percent, whereas it was three percent. You know, a couple of years ago, are people able yeah. to afford that? Like, it, it's an extraordinarily big increase in your weekly, or monthly outgoings, isn't
1: it? Yeah, I mean, it, yeah, for sure, it's huge. But then you'd also argue, chatting to clients who are like, "Oh, do we buy now? Do we wait?" You know, you, you could buy a house today that two years ago, in the heat of the market, you would have paid an extra hundred, two hundred k for the property that you'd rather suck up the higher interest rates today and get on the property ladder you know like there's yeah there's pros and cons both ways um yeah. but i i think a lot of clients are going into it and if they can afford the payments today as it stands on you know 6.99 percent it should only get easier from here yeah. on in like this is probably the toughest time for rates yeah. and, and then hopefully we see that downward movement next year yeah. and things get a little yeah. bit more manageable
0: yeah, as an aside, you know, when I got my first mortgage, it was a long time ago now, but the interest rate was 15.3%. Uh, and of course, you know, we all sort of think, you know, today's generation has a, has a harder and, you know, you need the bank of mum and dad. Well, guess who helped me was the bank of mum and dad. So the bank of mum and dad's been around forever. <laughs> so <Yeah. laughs> it's not a unique thing these days. Um <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Hey, Nick, turning maybe to the or anything else on first home buyers that would be interesting for our listeners?
2: Look, I I think you're 100% correct on the, um, you know, you're better off to purchase while the prices are low. That's going to influence the life of the loan for that whole period, whereas the interest rate is a point in time. So the banks are doing their due diligence on you. They're testing at these higher interest rates that if you can buy now, it should only get easier in theory. When you look at the mm. average of the interest rates over the last twenty to thirty years, we are sitting around that, you know, four and a half to five and a half percent mark. Yeah. Um, so if you can afford to do it now in the long term, it should play out favorably. Mm. Mm. Clients, you know, when interest rates are volatile, when they're moving, when they're going up. That makes everyone a bit more nervous. But once you get stability, even at these higher rates, it gives everyone a bit more confidence to enter that market. Um, and I think that's key. And that's what we're starting to see right now. We have seen that for you know the last three three weeks to a month at least. Mm. Um, mm. So that's key. And that really assists with decision-making. Um, gives everyone a bit more confidence to know what they're getting into uh, and to know what the future looks like. Yeah. So sort of to summarise from that first home
0: buyer perspective, the big fall in property prices has happened. So, you know, the fear of overpaying, which was prevalent for probably 12, 18 months, why buy today when it might be 10 or 20,000 cheaper tomorrow? Well, it's now 200,000 cheaper, often for, you know, 100 to 200K cheaper. So that fear of overpaying's gone, you know, prices have sort of stabilised the fear of missing out wasn't there but is just starting to sort of emerge it's more probably uh, hey now's the best time so i'll miss out if i don't rather than fear of missing out because 10 people are competing with it but as you say Emma, the more shoes outside the doors at the open homes sort of says that things are optimistic despite these incredibly high interest rates so you know, now's a, a sort of a good time, I suppose, if you're a first home buyer and can afford the interest rates, you know, it can only get easier from here, might take a while. Hey, turning to Nick, the investor market, how long ago was it a couple of years ago, or maybe even three years ago, the Labour government introduced or removed tax deductibility on interest payments on existing uh, rental properties, retrospectively, incidentally, so it went from 100%, to 75%, I think it's at 50% now or is it 25% now? I think it's 50. 50, it drops to 25% in April and then to zero after that. So what did that lead to? I mean, initially I sensed that it didn't see property investors pull back from the market, but now we're at 50% headed to 25% interest deductibility. Have you seen a significant change over the last, say, year, 18 months in property investors buying existing property?
2: uh, Look, certainly seeing that turn, there's a number of investors that are still settling on properties they've signed up for. 18 months ago they're still flying through the market and we're we're working with them to to come to arrangements to settle there and it's all so this that... is where they were buying off the plans 100 percent correct yeah. so sorry yeah you're right that's on the new builds the existing market yes certainly certainly have withdrawn from that market yeah. um, you need to be hunting for a property with a pretty favorable yield yeah to make that work so that interductibility removal has really done its job in that respect
0: yeah so what that's meant is there's way less competition for those existing existing. existing homes, opening the door for first home buyers and making it easy for people moving houses. I'm sensing, though, the flip side of that policy has been with no new used rental property coming onto the market and existing property investors potentially selling, the supply of rental stock is, is falling and possibly not being made up by new builds. I mean, I sort of wonder if there's a sort of a crisis about rental property given that policy. What's your observation?
2: Yeah, a number of factors going on there. And, you know, I think net migration's 86,000 as well. That's that's just applying pressure. And I have heard people talking around, we're just creating the rental crisis of tomorrow. Now, Auckland and Wellington are quite different in that rental space. I think Auckland has maybe seen a bit more growth in rental prices, and that's just supply and demand. Wellington hasn't seen it as much but it has it's made it more challenging and look the introduction of the healthy homes has also applied more pressure to landlords as well. So bring their properties up to spec it's an additional cost they're not given the interest deductibility they used to be able to get um, that has seen a number of properties come back onto the market for yeah. that first home buyer. So
0: what do you think might happen, you know, should national be the government, they reintroduce the interest deductibility, and I understand that will be retrospective as well. So any non-deductible interest that you've sort of mounted up can be then deducted against your rental income, obviously. What, if that occurs, do you think that will do to, you know, property investors who really for the last little while, it's either been a yield play with low gearing or I buy a new build, which has still been attractive?
2: yeah I think national have lined up that it would be a staggered approach to reintroduce it um, right. which is probably a smart play so I think it'll take time for them to adjust at the end of the day they're doing it as an investment so they're doing it for generally one or two reasons one is cash flow so the yield's going to be good up front mm. two which nobody really likes to talk about but as those capital gains um, I don't know if we're going to see the same capital gains we've seen in the past and mm. that's to be confirmed obviously the yields are going to need to stack up, and that means property prices would need to remain low and rent's high for it to work for investors. So um, it'll be a gradual change. Landlords will be viewing it favourably. It's going to impact their initial positions favourably, but I don't know if they're going to be rushing out straight away to make purchases. Some will, but it will be a select group within the property investor community that will be doing that.
0: And Emma, in Auckland, have you seen a lot of property investment activity, both new and existing? What's been happening?
1: Yeah, it's definitely slowed down. I've probably only done a handful of established homes that most of the activity has been in the new build space, just due to the tax deductibility, the lower bright line test. But overall, Mm. the last few years, that whole sector of the market has really slowed down.
0: Yeah. And for those that have, you said, a handful of established homes, are those investors not, like, what's the driver when you haven't got tax deductibility? Are they betting that there'll be a change in rules or are they really lowly geared or what's been the reason that people have still done it without tax deductibility?
1: Yeah, generally lower geared and Mm. just looking at the longer term picture Mm. with the capital Mm. gains and if, if it's a bargain, Um, looking more in that respect. But most investors have been looking in the new build space just because it's more favourable.
0: Yeah. And where are those new... Well, what's the nature of those new builds? Are they standalone or townhouses?
1: I mean, there's so much new build activity going on. A lot of townhouses where they've done them on a freehold basis. So there's no body corporate, but often a residence fee. So from a servicing point of view, you're not having to take into account the body corporate levy, it's deemed freehold. But lots of those townhouses where the developers bought a big freehold site, sort of put in six to eight townhouses, two bedroom type thing.
0: Yeah. Okay. And what about Movers, Nick, you've certainly three key parts of the market, property investors, first home buyers, and people moving, selling one house, buying on the other. I mean, I guess the thing was, you know, go back two years, I might sell my house for a million. Now it's 800,000. I mean, it must be a big adjustment when you've been seeing a sort of evaluation or something come through at a million, and then suddenly you've been told that your house is worth 800,000 or 750,000. Did that affect things, you know, like in terms of activity in that part of the market and have customers, if so, what's been the mood going on in people's heads?
2: Yeah. So, I mean, there was a phase where the banks were open to that kind of open bridging scenarios and banks were favorable and offering in that space. They quickly pulled back from that when a number of clients could not realize the, the second half of the transaction. So they purchased the new house with a promise to sell the existing house for X number of dollars. Unfortunately, they are only getting why um, when it came time to sell and it made, it made it very hard for everyone involved. So, you know, they will still do an open bridge on for the right kind of client meeting the right kind of criteria. But at now, you know, as long as you're buying and selling the same market, absolutely fine. But we're seeing a lot of sales or purchases of conditional on sale of a property and those offers are getting accepted. It just means there's a bit of a domino effect there. So certainly possible. And, you know, I've got a couple on the go under that exact guys, and they are starting to fall through and and, and, and work properly. So yeah. still being done, people are still willing to make deals. They understand where the market's at. It's taken a bit of re-education to get there. Mm. But, you know, those transactions mm. are... Still moving and going forward. I sort of
0: reflect it a bit like the grief cycle. You know, I've had the (laughs) euphoria
2: of my house
0: going from, you know, 600,000 to a million. And then, you know, you tell me it's worth 800. I've got to go through this grieving cycle, which includes acceptance. (laughs) Once you accept it, then you're back in market and, you know, you accept that, but equally you're buying and selling in the same market, which makes it easier. What about perspectives from you, Emma, on the movers market?
1: Yeah, I've got quite a few clients upsizing right now. It sort of makes sense in a softer market. Like Nick said back in the day, and I even did it myself, I bought a house without selling my one and back myself. Uh, you, wouldn't, you wouldn't do that now. And a lot of clients are selling with a long settlement date and then being cash buyers at the other end, like you've got to take a much more conservative approach, but that would probably be after first home buyers, probably the next sort of chunk of the market where we're seeing lots of activity would be upsizing. It's a great time to do yeah. it, especially if your home will appeal to a first home buyer where there's lots of momentum in that market. It's a good time to upsize if you can do it.
0: Yeah. When you say a long settlement date, like what sort of term
1: do you mean? Like, so sell your house. With a three-month settlement date, and yeah. therefore you're like a cash buyer at the other end. Yeah. You know exactly yeah. what you've got in your back pocket. Yeah, yeah. number of clients in and that position right now.
0: Yeah, so so sell. Know you've got sell. Know you've got the cash, and then go and buy within that three-month period. Um, and hopefully exactly settle on, yeah on the, on, the, on the same day. Yeah, yeah. That, okay, that's, that's, that's nice. Hey, um, that's been really interesting. Just one last thing I'd like to cover is refinancing. It's been a pretty active market presumably over the last year or two, Nick,
2: or is, it all, or is it really no different from normal? It's an active market. It can be a bit more challenging, especially when you're looking at those property valuations and somebody comes in with the assumption that I've got the house that's worth 1.2. You run the numbers, you kind of go, well, you're at 950,000. Um, so a bit more challenging there, but customers are certainly getting more and more savvy around what their capabilities are, what the interest rates in the market are, what's gonna be more favorable. So, you know, exploring all the options for them making sure it's going to be the right thing making sure it's going to be financially favorable so
0: what makes these you know refinancing your mortgage financially favorable
2: it can be a number of aspects some may just be looking to go interest only or lengthen the term because they've got other things going on in their life that they want to free up the cash flow for others will be purely just hunting for uh, interest rates others looking for cash contributions there's a number of variables and, and everyone's obviously unique in what they're after so it's just
0: facilitating what's yeah. going to work best so, ba- for so basically it's about getting a better deal 100%. and better terms that meet your needs as a customer. And, and Emma, what's happening with cashbacks? What's the typical cashback you'd get on a refinance? And are all the banks doing it?
1: Yep, so all the banks definitely doing cashback. We were looking at up to 1%, but the banks have started to wind that back. That's sort of between 07 and 0.9. But if clients are outside of their cash clawback, I mean, yeah, they're pretty savvy. A lot of clients are like, where are you taking me? I want 0.9 cash. That's what my friend kind of got that with all fixed terms expiring, it can be an optimal time to get a good structure moving forward and some new cashback to help Mm. with the higher interest rates. So yeah, a lot of refi activity going on for sure.
0: Yeah. Okay. Hey, that's been really insightful. Final question for both of you. Where are people that are saving for their first house? Where have they got that money stashed? Is it in a bank or in sharesies or I guess part of it's KiwiSaver,
2: but do you know where people are putting their money to save? I'm seeing all sorts at the moment, actually. I'm seeing um, you know funds being held offshore for those who have returned back to New Zealand, seeing funds in sharesies. i have seen crypto, uh, believe it or not. Um, <laughs> You know, I saved for my house with crypto wow <laughs> yeah alarming but um we're not investment advisors, so uh yeah. we won't go into that but um <laughs> you know it, it's anywhere and everywhere at look, bank and mum and dad as well is contributing but yeah generally it's savings accounts share portfolios a lot more savvy nowadays um yeah. with those share portfolios a bit of peer-to-peer um there's money um tucked into those scenarios yeah. and managed funds as well term deposits savings accounts um yeah that kind
0: yeah. of stuff yeah well here's a pitch for squirrel so if you're a first home buyer <laughs> saving or saving then squirrel's got a 5.25 percent on call account 24 7 365 days a year you can move your money from that account to banks and the money is held on trust with uh, major new zealand registered bank so there's a little pitch for stone buyers when interest rates were zero it made no difference when interest rates are much higher it sort of can help with that saving sort of journey especially over a year or two hey thank you nick and emma for your perspectives from the front line fantastic chat and that's us for this week see ya see ya see ya thanks for listening to today's podcast if you have any questions or things you'd like us to talk about in the future, get in touch with us at david.squirrel.co.nz at or John at squirrel.co.nz. And please do share this uh, and subscribe anywhere you get your podcasts. The opinions expressed in this podcast are not financial advice or a recommendation of any financial product. Any commentary provided are personal views and are not necessarily representative of the opinions of Squirrel. As always, we recommend seeking professional investment or mortgage advice before taking any action.